Welcome to Politics and Bros. This is the podcast where two guys who spent their careers on the inside of federal politics are now on the outside and only have each other to talk about how things are going. Today is April 29th, 2021, and this is episode 37. I'm your co-host Pete, and with me as always is my good friend Howell. Howell. Peter. How are you? I'm all right. Happy draft Um, day. Oh yeah, thanks. In fact, I might be distracted because the Titans are coming up oh. their pick their they pick is there? yeah haha um <laughs> the falcons picked fourth so they that should did. tell you how good how how well they're doing that's true um but now they now matt ryan apparently has a lot of people to throw to he he does yeah they they were talking about how good their offense is going to be yeah, and they the actually defense, have the defense the, is still going to blow they actually have the titans offensive coordinator as their as their new coach so oh that's true um the titans are in Four picks, it looks like. They're at 19 now, 20 now, um, and 22, so three picks away. Uh, but yeah, we were just talking about people in Chicago, I think, are excited. The Justin Fields, a former UGA quarterback mm-hmm. who started for Ohio State. Did he just start one year or two years? Uh, two years. Two years. Yep. Took him to the national championship game. Um, the Bears may have found their next quarterback savior. Uh, no one will ever be as good as Jay Cutler, but, um, <laughs> or they're uh, gonna or they're gonna destroy his career, one or the other. Or they'll destroy his career, which is probably the more likely scenario. So, although I, I uh, do think it's gonna be poetic justice if uh, Trubisky wins a uh, Super Bowl with the uh, where did he go? The Bills? Is that where he went? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, but he would definitely win it as the backup to Josh, <laughs> to Josh Allen, right? That's true. Uh, That's true. Yeah. So he won't win. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> We'll see. I, I I imagine Chicago will be buzzing tomorrow with yeah with uh, the they won the off they won the Super Bowl in the off season like they often do. Um, but uh, your 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 um, brother in law is a big Bears fan, right? My so he'll, my wife's he'll, he'll whole prob- family are, is yeah. uh, Bears fans. So um, I, I assume have you heard from him yet? Uh, with the I, fields, he I tweets text- about the Bears a lot, so he- I, I figure. Yeah, he does, and he 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 also calls into like sports talk shows to like. Oh really? Stuff. Yeah, he's done that in the past. More so about the Cubs uh, <laughs> okay. than the Bears, but um, yeah, I texted him. I was like, "It's a great pickup," and he was like, "I can't believe we got him." Yeah. And uh, I mean, the yeah. Bears gave up, you know, a bunch of picks to get him. So yeah, I hope yeah. it pays off. Yeah, yeah. The um, Chicago the- could. I mean, I don't feel so bad for Chicago. They've had four championships in the last 10 years so yep um but i did but chicago is definitely a i i think it's a bears first town um yeah i don't know cubs what no you, I, mean, I think what? no yeah because you i mean the city's divided on cubs and the white Sox. Right. so yeah maybe that's fair i wonder what my i'll see what my brother-in-law says about that that's actually a really good question yeah like you know certain cities are certain team first right yeah. like um, New York is Yankees first, right? Yeah. Uh, but Atlanta has always uh, been UGA first, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I that's think it's pretty, Na- in pretty. That's how Nashville is. Tennessee first, yeah. and the Titans. I think in professional yeah. sports, it, it was always the Braves, but now with how good right. the Falcons have been in recent years, and uh, actually having owners that give a damn is helpful too. Right, right, yeah. I mean, um, so. We have that to look forward. The Bears fans being um, uh, annoying over the next several weeks and months as they prepare for this season, and mm-hmm. 
Uh, did they? I think they made the playoffs last year, didn't they? Did they lose in the first round? I yeah. can't remember. On the right, on the watch field goal. Wait, this past season or the season before? Um, uh, no, this past season. Oh, I don't remember. I just uh, didn't pay enough attention to NFL this year. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Let's see. I'm I'm looking it up. Yeah, they played the Saints. There you go. They lost. They got killed by the Saints. Um, I might be a little sniffly. Sorry. So anyway, uh, I was watching the draft a little bit earlier with my my children, mm-hmm. um, but. Things are all right, uh, but we got a lot to talk about, so let's, let's get going. Let's get into it, man. Why don't you, uh, um, why don't you lead us? Well, so I came up with this, so if anyone doesn't like this, they can blame me, but <laughs> you know, we, we always just jump right into, we talk about how we're doing and we jump right into our politics, but I know, you know, you guys know us at this point, but you don't really know a lot about us other than um, I'm a libtard and Pete is, uh, you know, a racist conservative, so... Uh, <laughs> so I thought, you know, we do a little segment to start off tonight, get to know your host a little bit better. Um, and it's not going to be like, you know, how old are you? And you know, where did you go to school? We're going to do a little fun stuff. So, um, Pete, I'll make you start. Uh, and you have to tell, tell us the answers to, well, uh, we'll start with the first, there's two questions. The first one is what is your greatest competitive accomplishment that you would consider your greatest competitive accomplishment. Um, so this could be anything you think you compete in. So, uh, you know, you could, you could have been drag racing on, uh, I 95 and, and, and beat some guy. You could, it could be some high school soccer match where you saved a penalty kick, you know, mm. um, what do you consider your greatest competitive accomplishment it's a difficult question my god um would you like to pass and think about it no i I think i've got one because i honestly i feel like um it's not necessarily my accomplishment but that i've been a part of um for sure and you said soccer and that's actually it junior year in high school um Holy Innocence Episcopal School won the state championship in soccer, and I was on the team. I was the backup goalkeeper um, against our arch rival, Pace Academy. We won one to nothing. Our good friend Clay Kelsch scored the lone goal in that uh, in that game. Um, BFK. I made it into the game for for maybe so our starting keeper who was awesome. And he went on to play at Davidson College, dual sports. He played baseball and soccer at Davidson. Um, very good goalkeeper. Um, and, um, I made it into the game only cause he got injured with about, I don't know, there might've been 10, 15 minutes left in the game. And, um, I made it in for about five to seven while they kind of patched him up and he had to get some stitches on his, not stitches. They had to stop some bleeding on his cheek cause he got kicked in the face basically. Um, so I made, I think one save, I got my, my hands on the ball a couple times, but, um, nothing, nothing significant. And then of course, when. Marshall, you know, our keeper was fine. He came in and replaced me, but, mm-hmm. um, but still being part of that team, you know, it was a roller coaster year for me. Cause I started out on JV, even though I went to, I played at a, I went to a, a camp in Greece cause I was spending all my summers in Greece growing up. And I, I played at the Olympic stadium on a travel team there and, um, did some work, you know, 
worked my ass off really to become a better goalkeeper and our coach just didn't care he thought marshall was the golden boy and which he was and not to take anything away from marshall he was he's he was an excellent goalkeeper um but he stuck me on jv i wasn't even the ma- the backup on varsity and eventually over the course of the season he realized that i should probably be the backup um instead of the guy that they had so getting to that and that's when i got my letterman's jacket and being on part of that team was awesome because it was with clay kelsh our other good friend andrew nozneski our other good friend ryan mayo um who we are all mayo played soccer mayo played soccer mayo was quite good there's actually a a clip of him from i can't remember if it's that season or our senior year and he is caught up in the in the corner on our side of the field and he just dribbles through like seven guys it was amazing he (laughs) his footwork was fantastic um but yeah so being part of that so team that, really, I think was it wasn't my accomplishment, but to be a part of that, it felt like it. It was a great team. We all got along really well. We all had each other's backs. Um, I had a lot of fun that year. That was a great. That was a great state year. State champions. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it was for the um, all the private schools. Um, still, so we were like we were single A. We weren't you know a huge school, obviously, but still, I mean, it's still a state championship. It's still in the in the books. It's not like you were one of three teams that right, were right. You know. And, uh, there were, we were at un- least seven. We were undefeated. We were, uh, I believe, we were. F- ooh, what was our record? Eleven zero and two. I think that's right. And our two ties were to the team that we beat in the state championship. So it was like, it was it was pretty amazing. Actually, I think we were fifteen zero and two. I think we played seventeen games. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. We'll have to check. But that's it. <clears throat> well, you practiced with the team, so you know. <laughs> Hey man, you I were got part, playing time. You were a part of. I know you were a part. Of, I'm, I'm on the saying, sheet as being in, in the game. Everybody, everybody. I say, uh, Brian Scalabrini has a ring for the Brian uh, Boston Celtics. You know, so it's like you know everyone is a part of the team. So the trainer though. What's that? The trainer got yeah. a ring too, though. That's true. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't have. I haven't won a. I haven't been on a championship team. Um, myself since grade school so you know to win something in high school is pretty cool yeah it was pretty cool yeah all right so the other question Mm -hmm. is tell us about the most famous celebrity you've met and you can describe or you can define what famous is or fun or however you want to tell the story but what's that story for you the most famous that i've ever met uh, Marissa Tomei right after she won the Oscar for My Cousin Vinny. She ate at my dad's restaurant in Atlanta. It was Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> um, it was either right before or right after she won the Oscar. It was the year she won the Oscar. Okay. Um, but that's not the most fun. The most fun is my brother and I used to go skiing in Whistler, um, British Columbia um, when I was in college. We went all four years. And one year we stayed in Vancouver overnight with some of his buddies who met us up there to, pl- to go skiing. And in the bar, they were filming a ton of stuff in Vancouver at the time, like Dark Angel, which was Jessica Alba's show on Fox, was was filming there. And James Cameron was there for something, you know, the director from Titanic and, you know, mm-hmm. um, Avatar and all that. But in the bar was John Corbett from Northern Exposure, Sex in the City, mm-hmm. My Big Fat Greek Wedding fame. And um, before Mick, but this was before My Big Fat Greek before, Wedding. Before, yeah, before that. Yeah. Um, he was probably most famous at that point for Northern Exposure. Um, and then, um, uh, Sarah Silverman was with him, which was Mm. funny. And, um, so we're at the bar and they're, they're at the bar, we're sitting, hanging out 
And um, my brother's friend is from West Virginia, and John Corbett's from West Virginia, and they're actually from the same hometown. So that was our icebreaker. So we proceeded to get really hammered with John Corbett and Sarah Silverman <laughs> for like three hours. It was, and he was super cool. And he's like, he's six foot, whatever, five. He's a really tall guy. Um, I met him again when I worked on the Hill. He was with Bo Derek when she was doing some advocacy thing. I forget. And she came by our office for a meeting and I kind of was like, Hey, I met you like 12 years ago in Vancouver, British Columbia. And he pretended like he, he pretended to him. remember, of course. And he was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe he remembered it for real, but probably not. Um, but he not was if you got super- as hammered as you said you did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did get very hammered. We saw Jeremy London. He was there. He was at the hotel. It was very strange. A lot of celebrities. But John Corbett was super. Yeah, cool. that's that Jeremy London. I don't even remember what he looks like. So yeah, only well, he had an identical twin brother. So it might have been that. Might have been his loser, like <laughs> not a successful identical twin brother. So that's it. That's cool. What about uh, you? Well. Thinking, well, as, as you already heard, I haven't won any championships since grade school. So I, I feel like um, claiming uh, my seventh grade basketball championship as, as my greatest competitive achievement as a 42-year-old man might be a little sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> uh, I, I have some things that I thought about. Um, I once uh, beat... Um, Knights of Sidonia and by Muse on Guitar Hero on expert level. That was uh, that was pretty. I couldn't believe I did that. Um, Were there witnesses? There, there. Well, you have to once you get past it. You, you. It shows that you've made it past, so I can oh. show people. Oh, that. okay, okay. Um, what else was there? Um, I have some pretty embarrassing stuff like that that I considered throwing in there. Um, I, my batting average in my alumni softball league was like <laughs> 900 one season. Um, Did you just hit so smack singles all day long over like the pretty much, or pretty much. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you just hit them right at the girls and then you get on base <laughs> that way. Uh, so, you know, as you can see, um, I don't really have a lot of, uh, I don't know. I don't consider myself a super competitive person. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't put myself in situations a lot where I where I really have to compete. I, I think um, I, there's two things that stand out. Uh, when my daughter was one, my wife and I ran hood to coast. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, oh, wait, there was one other funny one that I thought about. When I was in uh, high school, we used to play in um, a, a semi-competitive Catholic diocese basketball league and i hit eight three-pointers in in one game which i thought was um pretty cool and i I hit the game tying three-pointer as well with five seconds left uh we ended up losing but anyway but no so um in 2012 my wife and i ran with some other friends hood to coast the the race that runs from mount hood to the oregon coast and i ran over three, the course of three legs in 24 hours, I ran about 15 to 16 miles um, and did a pretty good pace, like a sub eight minute pace for average for the miles. I also ran um, half marathon when I was in Beijing, uh, when I was studying there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think those are pretty cool feats for, for to have accomplished. And I try to be present when I'm running those races uh 
and and appreciate the opportunity and and the experience like running in the mountains in Oregon through the middle of the night is a pretty cool thing that's pretty cool um so yeah i would say those races are probably the the, the kind of the the top of what i've i've done that's not super embarrassing um <laughs> most famous celebrity this is easy for me um i i don't know if i have told you this story i've we've told a lot of people but um when we were in Israel, we went over to visit um, Petra in Jordan, Petra, mm-hmm. one of the wonders of the world. And while we were there, we were at the um, uh, the, the first major um, sort of landmark you come to when you enter Petra. I think it's, I think it was the, I can't remember what the, what, what it was called, but it was an old building and we're sitting, everyone's sitting stops and kind of looks around and takes some time. And I look around and, and I see this, this, this other tourist there wearing a Patriots hat. And I, and I say to Melissa, I say, I say, who's the jackass in the Patriots hat? <laughs> um, cause I mean, you don't see a lot of Patriots hats in in the middle East or no, Israel. And then I, I, I keep looking a little bit more. And have I told you this story? No, never. By the way, okay. I keep looking, um, and I, I'm staring, and I'm like, "This guy looks so familiar." And he's got the hat pulled down. He's got glasses on. And I said, I, I grabbed my wife, and I said, "That's fucking Matt Damon." And oh, you're kidding. And and she, and she was like, "What?" I said, "That's Matt Damon right there." And she goes, "No way." And I said, "Yes, look at him." And sure enough, it was Matt Damon. And he was there touring Petra um, with some friends. He was there. Um, he was there. He was in Jordan filming the The Martian. Um, oh yeah, they. Mm-hmm. And so my wife was like, "I have to get my picture with him." So she went up and started talking to him, asking him if he'd take a picture with us. And uh, he was very nice. He said, "Sure." Um, and, you know, we kind of chatted with him for a few minutes. He, he told us he was filming a movie. Um, and it was funny because our daughter, she was only like three at the time. She was kind of over to the side with our guide. And we all kind of got around ready to take the picture with with Matt Damon. And she was still over there. And we tried to, we were like, Olivia, come. And and she was kind of like hesitant or whatever. And Matt Damon was like, come on, Olivia, come on, you know, just come on. He was like yeah. be, trying to woo, woo her over. And yeah. um, she finally came over and and we took our picture with him and he was very nice. And we wished him uh, wished him well and, and enjoy his journey or his Petra experience. And nice. it, it was it was pretty funny, though, because um, the Jordanians had no idea who he was. Yeah. So he was in, we were the only people who knew who he was that was there and our daughters our my daughter and my son who are really, really blonde at the time, Jordanians like freak out over like little blonde kids. Mm-hmm. And so they, there were all these Jordanians asking our kids for pictures. Meanwhile, Matt Damon's like five feet away from yeah. them and they don't even know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just kind of a surreal experience, but cool. um, yeah, it was, that's, I mean, I can't, I, there's probably, only a handful of movie stars bigger than him. So I figured that was definitely the most famous person I've ever met. I'm not one to like, I don't particularly get starstruck. And plus I also don't approach celebrities if I see them like in, in real life. Um, right. 
I think the only time I ever I ever like f- did something like that is when uh, Quinn and I were seeing Pearl Jam in Seattle in 2000. And we were sitting in our seats at Key Arena and waiting for the show. And I looked down and I saw somebody giving autographs and it was Mike McCready, lead guitarist. And I was like, ah, oh, let's go. And I just got up and Quinn was like, no, no. Quinn was, that was when Quinn was like super shy. Um, and I, got, I was like, let's go. <laughs> and I mean, we just got autographs. We didn't talk to him or anything. Right. But, but like, I think the most famous celebrity I've seen in person, but didn't actually like meet um, was Julia Roberts in Hawaii. Moore mm-hmm. and I were on vacation in Kauai and she had a house there at the time. And she went to, we went to a restaurant in town and I heard her laugh and I was like, holy God. And you can't, you cannot miss yeah. like her laugh is unmistakable. Right. And more, I was like more look over behind my shoulder. Was that Julia Roberts? And she goes, <laughs> oh my God, it is. And I, and I turned <laughs> around and she was a, two tables away from us. And um, she got up to go to the bathroom and I was like, more, you should go. You should go. She's like, no. <laughs> but anyway, that's so. funny. Good well, stuff, man. I, I like hope that. Yeah. I hope people enjoyed that. Um, get to know Pete and myself a little bit better. But now let's get down to business. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit of politics with the bros. The bros. Um, we did want to, we're not going to talk about it this week. Uh, we're still trying to schedule our guest, but um, Pete has arranged for a former colleague of his to come on and we're going to uh, discuss immigration at length in a future episode. Um, any Any additional news on that it should be our next episode whenever that might be do you have any updates for that for us pete our our guest is is game and ready she uh she uh her father was in town visiting uh her and her husband this past week so we didn't do it this week so um i just need to shoot her text and let her know next week that we're gonna we're gonna get on the horn and talk a little immigration it's uh my good friend becky talent uh becky and i worked together in john mccain's office she actually rose uh after she Worked for Senator McCain for a while, and then she went to work on the House side. She's actually from Arizona and um, went to work for a House member from Arizona for several years um, and then went back to work for Senator McCain, uh, eventually becoming his chief of staff, um, and um, and then went to work for Speaker Boehner doing immigration as well. Um, and she is, she is considered an expert. She worked at the Bipartisan Policy Institute, Bipartisan Policy Center. I can't remember. I'm blanking on it, but... Um, she was one of the main architects of the, of the big, uh, 2007, um, immigration plan with Ted Kennedy and John McCain. And, um, so I'm really excited to talk to her. She's now in private sector, not doing anything immigration related, but it's still her passion. Hey, one of her, one of her big policy things that she still talks about a lot. It's kind of like us. She's, you know, we want to talk about what we know and what we love and even though we don't long, we no longer do it. So looking forward to that conversation. Um, so yeah, look for that next week. I got a lot of questions. I certainly have done some research on, on immigration, but it just kind of bigger picture things that I want to get you all's thoughts on. So looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we're going to do a little quick news roundup, uh, for this week and start with president Biden's Definitely not the State of the Union, but his first <laughs> joint, his first address to a joint session of Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, Pete, you said you watched most of it, and also the rebuttal from uh, Senator Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, what what were your thoughts on Biden's uh, first address? Well, I think I told you. Um, 
watching him, it was it was it was good. He was presidential. He checked all the boxes that he was supposed to check. I thought it was a little strange not having the full house chamber. I mean, they limited it to like I think it was two hundred people, and there you weren't allowed to bring a guest, and they were all spaced out. I think there were some senators and, and house members actually up in the gallery to maintain that space. So it looked it looked strange. And then of course, mm-hmm. looking at um, Speaker Pelosi and Vice President Harris with wearing their masks behind Biden made it look strange too. But he was presidential. Mm-hmm. Um, he he gave a fine speech. I mean, I, but really, you know, the, the, the summary is that he's, he wants to spend a shit ton of money and rich people are going to pay for it all. And mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've seen some kind of back of the envelope estimates on a lot of the things that he's talked about infrastructure and, and other issues. Um, um, they're ballparking it somewhere between an additional four to six or $7 trillion in spending just based on that, that, um, speech alone or the policy items in that speech alone um so i mean it's ambitious and i uh, good for him i guess but it's not going to be easy and uh, well let's talk about let's talk about that i mean so i i never listen to these things i don't can't remember um one of these addresses or a state of the union that i've actually maybe obama's first state of the union just because i don't know because that you know whatever but because mm-hmm. uh, they're to me they're everything that I don't like about politics. They're mm-hmm. posturing. Yep. They're flag planting. You know, they're they're basically setting negotiating um, uh, markers. Um, nothing often comes from them. Even like I bet if you went back and looked at some of the things that have been said over the last twenty years, the the hit rate would be very low for for right. some of this stuff. Um, so you know when when people and when people get upset or overreact or say something um based on these these speeches i'm like you know nothing's you know, a lot of this is not going to come to fruition so um you know biden is obviously attempting to uh set like you said set an ambitious sort of spending program in place uh, setting government as, you know, this new outsized role in America's mm-hmm. Americans' lives. Um, so I just, you know, as someone who, you know, you know better than I do, um, these are like sort of negotiating ploys. Like, do you, when you hear him make such, I, you know, you're a fiscal conservative, when you hear him talking about spending for trillion extra dollars at a minimum and you know like do you do you get upset or you think okay he's just um he's just using this to sort of set you frame the debate there's a couple there's a couple things that come to mind one i think i'm disappointed in that he is not he is not playing the part of the centrist democrat that i think a lot of independents some never trump you know never trump republicans and you know, maybe a few others were voting for. I think he has fully embraced sort of the progressive agenda, you know, and, you know, you've heard glowing reviews from people like AOC and the squad. Mm. About how I, I think, I think I heard a lot of complaints about from she, that he, she, did, he didn't go far enough. Well, AOC has been saying she's been very, very pleased with the things that he has proposed and she's given him not, I won't, okay, maybe not a glowing, but she is certainly happy with a lot of what he has said. And I think is supportive of a lot of what he said. 
I'm sure she wants more. I'm, there's people that were talking about there was no mention of um, of student loan forgiveness. There was no mention of the border. Well, there was a, he mentioned something about a border, but didn't go much into detail about the border and or immigration. Um, so I, I think there's some things that, of course, they want to be more on. But but anyway, um, so there's that. I think there's that he is not being the centrist that he said he was going to be, and he's just going to go ahead and embrace this the liberal progressive side of things. Um, I think he is also, like you said, he is t- he is telling the country that big big government is back and big government is going to solve all the problems, um, which is not even something that Obama was willing to to say, um, but clearly clearly Biden is. Um, and I think honestly, it is a bold thing. I don't expect all of this stuff to get done. I mean, the Senate is still what it is, but I think he had to be maybe he had to be bold because the census came out. A lot of states lost seats. States that tend to elect Republicans gained seats in the Congress. Um, so 2022 is looking pretty, not, I won't say great. I, I don't know how to handicap it at this point because I, I mean, we obviously need to see where these districts get drawn and how the maps look. But, you know, on its face, it looks like Republicans have a pretty good shot at taking back the House in 2022 mm-hmm. now. Um, I don't know yeah. about the Senate, but, you know, whatever. One, one chamber is all they really need. Um, so I do think you, being bold is what he had to do, given the fact that he might not have a, a, a Democratic House in, in a year and a half. Right. He's kind of got to go for it all now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did want to touch on, on on sort of that is that um, he he could potentially look again. I'm I don't have a legislative background. I'm just I'm literally commenting on this as as a casual observer, like any other citizen who pays attention to these things. Um, I've, I've heard the argument made that he is actually seizing on a lot of the populist sort of, uh, um, anxiousness, uh, with regards to things like, um, providing the the child credits, um, the universal uh, pre K and all that universal pre K. Sure. He's actually trying to steal some of that. Yeah. Um, uh, that that oxygen that's been sort of supporting some of these. Like uh, one thing I heard someone say was like he wasn't necessarily addressing Republicans um, in the room. He yeah. was maybe addressing Republican voters who might be uh, uh, interested in some of these policies that he's putting forth. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely, I, I noticed it, I, and, and you, perhaps you can tell me differently, but when he says we want to end child poverty and we want to lower prescription drug costs and the GOP members in the, in the galley gallery, um, don't applaud that. Like, shouldn't that be sort of a, a universal American goal? Like why I, I understand there's politics at play, but like that seemed like they couldn't even agree that ending child poverty was a good thing. Um, that's, I mean, and 
that happens at every joint session, well, every time a president addresses. Like, I mean, does I, I, does it though? Because I yeah. feel like it's I think feel like it's more related to specific ways they're going to end child poverty or ways they want to lower prescription drug costs. He was do he was mentioning broad platitudes that didn't even have policy attached to them, um, and that's why. And and I and again, I don't watch all these things, so yeah. I do know that obviously the Democrats didn't stand. Or and cheer for a lot of things Trump said. Um, I don't. I can't specifically say if they were attached to policies that he was pursuing to mm-hmm. to meet those ends. Um, but I do feel like it. It there is there was a political angle at play there where some of the Republicans in in the audience couldn't be seen um, supporting something Biden says for a as a political end. Um, and as a result, he is able to, like I said, take some of that populist, uh, momentum maybe for himself. That's just, that's just, that was just my observation. Well, I I mean, I think it's, I think you're absolutely right. I think he is taking some of that because I mean, in the, you know, things he mentioned, you were expanding the child care, uh, expanding child care, healthcare subsidies, pre-K for all, um, or universal pre-K. Um, Family medical leave, free community mm-hmm. college. Yep. Um, and Making the infrastructure. Child and all that. tax credits permanent. Yeah, I think, and you know, the uh, one thing maybe, maybe I don't know. This is based on nothing, uh, no evidence, but I think maybe it's because a, several of those items actually have Republican bills and were introduced last year. And I'll throw another one in there: and minimum wage increase. I mean, Tom Cotton. Has a minimum wage increase bill. Um, Marco Rubio had a family medical leave bill. Um, you know, and there's a few others that I'm, I'm blanking on off the top of my head. But, right. So I think when it's an actual State of the Union address next year, I think that's more. Uh, that'll be more. You know, indicative of 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 the feeling of of the GOP. I mean, right now they're they they're fresh off a loss. This is. I mean, I don't know if I would clap to you know another six trillion in spending that's going to be all mostly done with all new taxes and then you've got senator shots from from hawaii basically he said i'm not a pay for guy we don't have to pay for any of this so okay so we're just going to deficit you know deficit spend and you know put this one on the books and then you got uh, john tester who goes halfway he's like well maybe we should pay for half of it and then hopefully the rest will be paid for on the back end with all the new jobs and economic growth and all that i mean at least that argument makes a little bit of sense um and, but that's you know but the problem is too and maybe why republicans were sitting on their hands is they don't have a leg to stand on when it comes to deficit spending and right. exploding the debt over the last four years something that trump said he was going to get rid of in his four year, first four years in office and when of course he grew the debt by 30 something percent or, or whatever it was i don't remember but uh you know so maybe that's why they're putting their hands on it because they really don't have a lot to stand on here. The guy, the folks who have done actual hard work, put legislation, put pen to paper, like Tim Scott doing his his uh, police reform bill that got filibustered last year. You know those those are the folks, uh, those are the legislators that actually have a gripe and something to to kind of bitch about because they are being left in the dust or they're being ignored when they've been out there with these ideas for you know you know year. You one year, two year, three years, whatever it is. The people who are interested in doing the job versus right. political preening, yeah. um, like Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, yeah, Matt Matt Gates, Matt Gates. Before yeah. and before we get to 
um, Tim Scott and his rebuttal. I just want to, a couple of the details. So the American Families Plan, universal pre-K, free community college, family medical leave, make permanent child tax credits. Those are kind of the main mm-hmm. um, the main thrust of the big ticket items there. Um, 1.9 trillion, I think, on top of the 2.1 something of the uh, infrastructure that he had in- already introduced. Paid for primarily by raising the the income tax rate from 37% to 39.6% on top 1% of earners, um, raising capital gains for those making over a million dollars and some changes to inheritance, uh, to the inheritance taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I, one way I had, disc- I had heard this uh, payment plan described as was a, a middle out payment plan. Um, and it made me think of, if you'll just bear with me one minute, I just Will want do. to play something for you. Unless Ehrlich jerks off four guys at a time and then we can cut that in half. How would he do four guys? He's got two hands, so that's two dicks at a time, right? Look, you have two guys on either side with their dicks tip to tip, so you're going full length. Four, see? Oh, from the middle out. That does make sense. Like two shakeways. Yeah. So <laughs> like two shakeways. <laughs> I love that episode. Uh, you've you've seen Silicon Valley, right? Of course. Yeah. Okay. I just actually rewatched it from start to finish like a, a month ago. You did? Yeah. I just th- I think uh I think Jared uh, uh, Jared's character the character Jared is one of the best written characters on TV. <laughs> It's it's great. So anyway, so Biden's gonna play pay pay for the plan by by, by jerking off two full dicks at one time, um, like like two shake weights. Like two shake weights. <laughs> uh, so anyway, after that moment of of lev- of levity, brevity, levity, levity. levity. Um, you oh, so before you talk about. Um, Tim Scott's rebuttal. I read a I read a little bit about it. I didn't see it myself. Um, my understanding was that he spoke a lot about how Biden, you know, had had claimed he was going to be, you know, the bipartisan president and seek to reach out, and that he's actually dividing the country more. Um, I can see, you know, how they think they can make that argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I heard he talked a lot about. Um, the Georgia election uh, laws controversy and the conversation around that. And, and, and he called, um, he said, America is not a racist country mm-hmm. uh, yet. Interestingly, he also noted that he'd been pulled over for no reason before. So I don't know. Um, uh, but he also, how- <laughs> he also talked about how uh, that the, you know, the original sin uh, which it refers to racism nowadays. The original sin of our country is is a story that's not over. He he, he clarified um, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think generally, I think uh, Tim Tim Scott is is my is not a bomb thrower. He's no. You know, he was he was out there to actually try and make an argument and win over um, some hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to the to the yeah. So to the to the comment about bipartisanship though um i i think i actually do think biden is 
would will be willing to to work with Republicans. I just don't know that I have seen them offer anything serious as something to negotiate with. Um, maybe that's bad marketing. Maybe it, maybe it's my you know lack of wanting to see it. But um, you know, if there aren't evidences of, of bipartisanship from the Biden um, the Biden camp. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, like we, like we've said here before, elections have consequences. And like you said, they have the, they have the, the control right now and they got to do it Mm -hmm. while they can, but I don't know. I mean, what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, I think, I think Tim Scott is still stinging from his police reform bill being filibustered last year. Um, not even considered, they wouldn't take it up for debate. He offered amendments. He offered, uh, to, accept input from the Democrats and they said no. Um, so I think that's where a lot of that has to do. And I don't think, I don't think honestly he's been, I don't actually, I don't know. He, he, maybe he hasn't been approached, um, by the Biden administration of being a voice. Um, and by the, and judging by the way that a lot of people on the left and the progressives have dismissed Tim Scott, um, especially after giving that speech last night, I mean, who could blame him that he would think that, uh, the country is more divided um, you know, uh, trending on Twitter yesterday was Uncle Tim instead of Uncle Tom and Uncle Tom too, which is disgusting on every level. I mean, and you, you told me yesterday via chat that Twitter's a pretty disgusting place, and that's true. But you know, people were saying that on CNN and MSNBC, and it's like you know these these news outlets that we're supposed to be trusting and paying attention to, and it's just ridiculous. And the comment about America is not a racist country, I think. You know, that's coming from his perspective, and we're we're told constantly that, you know, especially you know people who aren't people who aren't of color, are told constantly that you can't question or you can't uh, you can't determine the black experience or you don't know anything about the black experience. Well, that's his experience, and yeah, he's gotten pulled over, he's been called the N word, he's been called an Uncle Tom, he's been called all these disgusting things. Um, but he also said, like I said a minute ago, that original sin is not the it's not the story is not over. The story of original sin in our country is not over. And then on this morning, George Stephanopoulos asked Vice President Harris if she agreed. And she said, America is not a racist country. But and I think he was trying to get at that. Maybe he didn't do it as elegantly. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it didn't fit properly in the structure of the way he crafted his speech. But I think I don't think he is. um based on the way I heard his speech, the way that I've read transcripts of his speech, I don't think he was trying to dismiss the problems that still exist with race in our country. I think he was trying to make the point that as a poor black man rose to become a United States Senator, and he believes in his heart that that can't happen in any other country in the world, and that it can't happen, um, that it couldn't happen without faith without determination and without hard work and i you know i just i don't understand why everybody's got to dismiss him as a token as i've heard all these people uh today on the view sunny liston was like i can't believe they for they forced him to do that or they used him that way that's what she said i can't believe they used him that way like they didn't use him for shit he's been in congress for over a decade like this man has been there. This man has put in the work. He they he didn't ask to do this during the Obama administration to try and be like, well, we've got a black guy too. I mean, this was actually a very good time for him with everything that's going on with social unrest, with the George Floyd case finally wrapping up, you know, recently. 
um, with the fact that he has been working on these issues. He met with George Floyd's family today in his office, in fact. Um, I think it was a great time for him to finally say, I want, I have something to say, and this is it. Um, I think it was a very good speech. I think if people need to stop bitching, complaining about the, the stink of Trump and look at this man as being the future, not Nikki Haley, not, you know, Marco Rubio, not Josh Hawley, but Tim Scott. And that is a good thing to aspire yeah, sure. to be. But unfortunately, every progressive and liberal media pundit decided to tear him down instead and feel sorry for him because he was being forced to say those things because, you know, God forbid he believe a conservative ideology or conservative philosophy over what the ideology that, you know, what they think a black person should have. Yeah, I mean, Rant I, over. Think, <laughs> I think as, again, I didn't watch it and just read, kind of read things about it. And it, it very much sounded like uh, an archetypal um, address and response. So, sure. you know, kind of like people are trying to fit this into sort of the Trump four years of the way politics were. But in reality, it was probably much more like a, uh, a something from 20, 30 years ago. And, and as far as I can recall, you know, no, no, no side had a, um, uh, a mandate on being correct all the time. And that, that, you know, that this, the way this used to work was, you know, people used to, but, but get to, express views from both sides and and you know like we said it's i think he's a good representative for what the what the conservative um educated and sort of um coherent and compassionate response can be and and um it sounds like he did a decent job yeah i i think it's uh, people need to if you really want the country to move on and if, from Trump and if you really want conservatives and Republicans to move on from Trump, you need to stop tearing down the guys that at least most of us, most conservatives would want to see lead the party forward. And that's people like Senator Scott. Um, but they don't. They want more of Trump because it makes them feel better. It makes them feel more superior. But, uh, yeah, it's black and white when yeah. you have someone like Trump, right? Like, it's very easy to say. I mean, everything I kept on hearing today is like, you know, to, in, re in reference to Biden's speech is like, well, it's just a stark contrast from the last four years of, you know, it was hopeful and, you know, it was about our democracy. It's like, yeah, he's got a different style. Like, but Trump's not there anymore. And, but they, but they still need Trump. They still need everybody to remember Trump, you know, so that they can, keep everything and you know keep their power and keep uh biden in in uh in place and set him up for a good spot in 2024 and democrats keep the house and senate in 2022 and i just well i mean it is it's it is a it is a smart you know foil to, it, to keep out there it is but, but i mean it's I'm, probably bad for the country <laughs> it's i just think it's there's a lot i i've known a, i've known a lot of black conservatives in my time in politics and i not a single one of them hasn't had an issue where they've been treated as a token or treated as some sort of like, 
I don't know, like they were, they've got Stockholm syndrome or something like that. And they were forced into being conservatives or something like, you know, I don't know. It, it's, and it's sick. It's disgusting. It's racist. It's just gross. Yeah. yeah just I mean, because, like just because Tim he Scott. doesn't, just because he doesn't think, doesn't have the same philosophy as what, you know, other black people have or the, or what a white person thinks a black person should have. Like, I mean, there's, independent thought is important and for people to evaluate things based on their own narrative and their own upbringing and their own story is important and dismissing it that way the way that people did all day today and last night is i mean it it breaks my heart you're fired up it breaks my heart it really does it makes me think that yeah it's nobody we're, we're, we're nowhere near salvation in any way shape or form yeah no i mean it's we talk about this all the time like it's it's about the conversation. It's about the process. It's about figuring it out together. Um, and uh, um, I guess Liz Cheney got a bunch of backlash for like chatting with Biden or something um, mm. in the chamber. Like people were like, how could you? Oh talk, yeah, you she know? she gave him a um, fist bump or something like that. And, Somebody saw that, and she wrote something on Twitter about, you know, if the president of the United States comes up to me and addresses me, I'm going to take time and chat with him, um, yeah. as you know, we need to work together to to make this country great again. She's like, we're all Americans, we're not enemies, yep. um, and so like a lot of the response to Scott is is like you know, putting him up as an enemy rather than uh, a legitimate voice with a different viewpoint. Um, And I don't know, I may not agree with everything he said, but like, you know, the manner by which he presented it and, um, you know, it needs to be taken seriously. And so, um, like you said, it's, we're, it's just because Biden was elected we're not all of a sudden saved as a country. Um, so uh, I think if, if the criticisms had been more about policy and even, even his philosophical, like the criticism of, uh, of his philosophy, I, I wouldn't be as, I wouldn't be as upset. I'm, I'm upset with the character assassination. I, yeah. And I, 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 my experience reading some of the more wonkish uh, sites out there, that dive into a little bit deeper than surface level was that um, he was graded, you know, fairly evenly for his performance last night on. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, it was, there were, there, it wasn't as vicious as like some of the more, uh, you know, maybe emotional political um, pundits might have, have made it. So Again, um, you were you were right to say it earlier. Twitter is a is a disgusting place. To be yes, with, so. yes. Uh, maybe I shouldn't get um, so worked up over it. I I, I, I literally tried to make my Twitter feed only sports and music. <laughs> yet somehow politics somehow politics still finds its way into oh, those. Totally. So I ha- I I just can't be on it. 100%. Um, I wanted to actually before we go, I wanted to talk about real quickly because I just thought this was hilarious. Or the other news of the week. Um, and we'd mentioned this beforehand, the, the, the conservative outrage of the week. Um, the first was with, um, I get, uh, Biden gave a big climate address. Uh, was it end of last week or middle of last yeah, week? Yeah, it was last week. Yeah. Where he, um, pledged to cut 
emissions by 50% or, or some, mm-hmm. um, some unprecedented amount. And based on a story written by, um, um, based on a study of how it, how Biden's plan could be implemented, there was one suggestion that, you know, meat, red meat would be, have to be, uh, essentially rationed or allotted and conservatives took it and ran, um, Greg Abbott posted something with a burger say, you know, with a graphic that said one burger a month or something and not on my watch. I think Nikki Haley even posted something like don't tread on me yeah. with a burger, with a burger on it. Um, with a burger uh, emoji. Of course, <laughs> of course, Lauren Burbert <laughs> or whatever her name is also posted something. Um, Fox news actually ended up issuing a correction, mm-hmm. uh, saying, his plan doesn't say anything about no. restricting red meat nope. consumption. Um, did you did you see any of that or laugh at any of that as it was going on? Yeah, yeah. And it was, I think it was based on, I may have misread this. I think it was based on like some like whack job report from a few years ago that yeah. somebody advocated Pre- for. 90, predated. Yeah, yeah, predated any of this, but it was like 90% mm-hmm. of meat had to be the 90% of meat consumed had to be done away with or something like that. Uh, yeah. It's, I think it's pretty funny that he never said anything like that. And some, some idiot <laughs> said yeah. it somewhere and it still caught fire. It took off. Yep. Yeah. And the, and the other one was, um, uh, the, the rumor that Kamala Harris's Kamala Harris's, excuse me, vice president Harris's, um, book was being sold or given away at the border to incoming immigrants in like, um, in like a gift bag <laughs> in like a gift bag. Yeah. Welcome um, to America. I, have a book. And I, yes. And I saw even now it was Tom Cotton's official Twitter feed. I'm, I'm not sure if he was actually the one who posted it, yeah. but he commented on it, um, which was, I thought pretty shameful because um, it turned out to not be true nope. that there was one book donated in California that ended up in a photo shoot yeah. of kind of what was going on. So it, it it's just kind of like, I, I feel like conservatives should be focusing on being outraged by the spending and yeah. things that are going on yeah. in, in Biden's address, but they're spending their time with these faux outrages about things that aren't even true. And yeah. it's just, they're shooting themselves in their foot. Well, it's the it's the conspiracy theorist wing that's taken hold, and they 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 believe just about anything if it's if it appears on some website, um, right? And it's it's pretty sad. But that it, our good friend Jen, Jennifer Duck would would find it funny because the the com the Kamala book thing came from a New York Post article, and that author has since resigned, uh, and she mm-hmm. made some comment on the way out that she was forced to write that that article or she was, she was forced to embellish or something like that. So um, I I just, I mean, do you, I just don't think that the GOP can stay viable if they continue to do stuff like this rather than focus on like things Tim Scott wants to do. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. I totally agree. And that's why I get even more emotional and upset when good, good legislators like, like Tim Scott just, get raked over the coals for stupid things uh, that's out of their control and it's people showing their biases um, when there are plenty of other idiots. There's, I mean, just Matt Gates probably gives people, gives, you know, the Twitterverse something to chew on every two seconds. 
Right. Um, why not focus on his idiocy? But all right. Well, good talk. Are you playing poker? I'm watching. Yeah, I just uh, I just got knocked <laughs> out. I had I just went all in with pocket eights, and a guy called me, and he had pocket nines. Um, I hit my eight on the river, but that gave him his jack high straight. Mm. So I lost. Tough shit. Um, God. I, I read an article today about how tourists are streaming into Vegas, Pete. So I know. I do. I was coming. Uh, I was talking about this with my with my poker buddies on our, on our Tuesday Zoom. There are offers coming into my inbox constantly by hotels, like 30, 40% off suites, 50% off suites, like come stay here. Um, I, and it's, oh God, it's so tempting. I'm not going to go into well, the fall. Well, before we go, um, and on that theme, you know, what we're always into, I, 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 I can't help, but I mean, the most obvious thing I'm into these days is betting on baseball. Really? How's yeah. that, how's that working out for you? Um, pretty good actually. Good. Um, I mean, who knows if it'll hold, but so far, um, I, my record for the year, I just, I looked it up earlier today for the 2021 season, um, so far is 40, 23 and three. Yeah. So, um, if anybody wants to subscribe to my picks, uh, just let me know, but that's, that's what I've been into so far. Was there any I, was there any way to bet on uh, when Anthony Rizzo pitched and struck out Freddie Freeman the other night? Was there any way to bet on that? Somebody got um, rich if they were you, like, "Oh, you, I'm going to place you, this bet." You could have. You can live bet pretty much every at bat. Really? So if you had if you had bet um, strikeout, yeah, I don't know what it would have paid out. But um, how do you determine yeah, you odds could, for that in real time? I think it's all algorithm driven. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I don't know. It would have been interesting to see what odds they, they came up with for Rizzo pitching to Freeman. That's pretty, um, but, uh, probably the computer broke or something, but, um, so yeah, I basically just bet the winner of every game, not every game, but I probably have two to four baseball bets every night going. Nice. So that's what I'm into. Congrats what to about you, yourself? Uh, I'm into... Sucking at poker right now. I'm on a downswing. Um, not bad. I'm not. I haven't. You know, when I play, when I play online, I play. I have. A, I have a pot in in my account on America's Card Room, and, and I have not. Mm-hmm. I have not exhausted it. Touched it. So okay. Um, I play. I, I I put an initial deposit months ago, back over the summer, and have been playing on that same initial hey, deposit ever there since. There you go. So, Let but I'm ride. on a downswing. I'm a little upset about it. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong. Um, I've been getting very unlucky the last couple tournaments that I've played in, like just now when I hit a set on the river, but it gave the other guy his straight. Um, that has happened a lot, actually, and it's starting to piss me off. But um, I take a break, so I'm not going to play again until probably next Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll pick it back up. Got to know your limits. Gotta know, hey, when you, it's not working for you, just walk away, clear your head, do some reading, do some workbooks. I've got some poker workbooks that I'll probably do some. And, uh, Our side podcast is going to be the psyche of a of a gambler. There are multiple books on that, so I need to get some experts up in here, give us some ideas. You, you ever have that moment at a blackjack table when you just feel the the table turn? 
<laughs> for the worst. And you're like, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I should walk away right now. Yep. But by God, but I, you don't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and that thousand bucks that you had in front of you is gone. And now you're putting down another thousand to get back in. Yep. I've had that happen way too many times. If we could just pinpoint that moment and just be like, it just be like, we'll pay people. People can pay to know when to walk away and we'll show them how much money they can save. You, we'd, be, you were, we'd be billionaires. You were there in Vegas. God, this was forever ago. It was like 15 years ago. You were there with us and we were in Caesars and I got clobbered playing. But this was the last time I played blackjack actually like a lot. And this is when I moved, decided to move to poker instead. Um, I literally had a hundred dollars left in my checking account and I just said, screw it. And I decided to go play a game I've never played before. Cause Mayo told me to, mm. we played three card poker and the fourth hand in, I got three of a kind, which paid out what? 40 to one, something like that. No, maybe not. 40. And your bet was like, and my bet was, it was, it was a hundred bucks. It was all my money. It was a hundred bucks. Oh. And I, 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 they hand, I, whatever they you did. You won $4,000. It wasn't that much, actually. It was, um, maybe it wasn't that. Was, was it a $50 yeah. bet? I maybe like it was like, like $2,000. I won like two grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then later that night, we were all leaving the next day. And later that night, I'm in Bally's and it's like six in the morning. And Mayo is walking through the lobby with his luggage to go to the airport. He spots me at the three card <laughs> poker table there. I have a cigarette in one hand and a cup of coffee in the other and I'm trembling. And he's like, have you been here all night? I said, yes. And he's like, why? And I pointed to my stack and I had $4,000 in front of me and he goes, Oh, okay. And he's like, have a good flight, bud. Yeah, justified. And uh, my flight was like two hours from then. So I had to go upstairs and shower. And- I was definitely there oh my that, God. that time. Fun times. Well, we'll do it again Just someday. Ride the, ride the wave. Maybe our fiftieth fiftieth birthdays. We can go. I hope so. Let's start planning now. Damn right. All right, brother. All right. Well, this is a good one. For those of you listening, Let's... follow us at on Twitter at Bros Politics. Even though we just trashed that site for a good portion of this uh, podcast. Uh, listen to us wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon. And uh, we will see you all at the casino at some point. Later. See you, bud. What could possibly go?